Hey, uh, Blair and Kiwal, thank you for coming in. You both have really tremendous, outstanding backgrounds and transformation and using technology and then leadership. And you're, you're embarking on uh, a remarkable uh, sort of initiative right now. So we want to get into that today. But I encourage the audience to actually take a look at your profiles, which are published with every interview, uh, because your, your, your backgrounds are very deep and very extensive. Uh, so now we'll, we'll um, get into both of you, but if I can just get you to do a quick snapshot, keep it under one minute. Uh, first of all, Kiwo, you know, what, what, what are one minute's worth of introduction of who you are? And then we'll go to Blair. Uh, introduction about myself. I mean, I, you know, I, te I tend to try, try not to market too much about myself, but um been fortunate uh, serendipity has put me in places where i've been able to um learn a lot uh, it was not my number one choice for a career business and uh, entrepreneurship was uh, i ended up um, working for lloyds of london trying to automate their systems back in the 1970s uh, moving them from machine based uh, punch card uh, sorry cards based uh, financial systems to a full a transactions processing environment. So that's my my first sort of uh, foray into the IT industry. Uh, ever since then, I've been lucky to keep up to date with all the technology changes and the jobs and the uh, different types of careers that people have had. Uh, my role uh, as president of KIPS allowed me to connect with a lot of uh, uh, professionals across the country. My role as president of uh, ICCP, the Institute for Certification of Computing Professionals, one of the founders of which was ACM and the other was IEEE, uh, also allowed me to then have an international network of professionals. Um, and I've used that to develop uh, well over $100 million of income for my uh, former technical college and uh, try to help as many people uh, improve in their career in the IT industry. Uh, and of course, I'm a late bloomer, and so I kept... Uh, studying, uh, doing lifelong learning, uh, going through my master's while I had kids and teaching uh, while I was working in at uh, at the college, and then later on PhD when I was at Athabasca University. <clears throat> so uh, these are uh, just me, I guess, uh, in many ways, uh, taking advantage of uh, new opportunities as they came along. The latest one, of course, is uh, authoring this book with uh, Blair, um, so who I've known since 1982 and or eight, around 81 actually. And so yeah. uh, it's a pleasure to to be uh, in conversation with you, Stephen, who I've met many, many years ago uh, when we sit and had coffee about 3 p. three a.m. in the morning somewhere on the hotels across Canada. That's me. Mm -hmm. so, well, thank you for that introduction. And I should mention that uh, in, many in the audience may not know who Kips is. That's uh, it used to be called the Canadian Information Processing Society, but now it's just sort of the acronym. It's the oldest and really the founding government-chartered national IT association in, in the country of Canada, but with a global footprint. Uh, Kips is a founder of IFIP, an international federation, at many MOUs with things like uh, the ACM or IEEE, as um, a founder of many global initiatives and so on. And uh, Kiwa, because you're a past president, you've been involved in some of that activity as well. So, okay, Blair, let's let's go mm -hmm. to you now and and uh, maybe a quick synopsis of you know the highlights of what you've done and and what you hope to do. Yeah, 
So yeah, I've been uh, developing, you know, enterprise systems, you know, back in, right back to 1982 when I uh, first graduated. And that, that's actually where Keywall and I first met. Keywall was actually an instructor at uh, a college where I was. So we're, you know, anyhow, so that's where we first met. But uh, I uh, got involved in, you know, creating, you know, business systems. I call them enterprise systems. It's like financial administrative systems that are connected, you know, with uh, operational systems. And uh, in 1984, I started my own company, which, you know, uh, continues to operate today. Uh, I think that um, one of the things that is a bit unique about me is, you know, over that 40 years, I've pretty much always been involved in the technology. I've always been involved in architecting and these enterprise systems, these financial administrative systems for organizations. I get involved right down to, uh, you know, the database level in terms of working with them. Uh, and uh, it's something that I've become, you know, really passionate about uh, over the years. It's something that I've just, um, uh, you know, just had this, you know, this deep passion in terms of, uh, with our industry, in terms of actually making a change in the industry, in terms of helping to uh, improve the way that we create enterprise systems. So a good example of a system that we just recently, uh, or well, we, we created was, a, you know, for the Chartered Professional Accountants Association. So it's a financial administrative system that touches all corners of their organization. And, you know, we pull it all together into this uh, central integrated system. So uh, in, in terms of what led me into this journey, um, it was really, uh, I got involved in probably the biggest one was I got involved with an oil and gas company and we went in there and we, uh, it was a bit of a sabbatical for me to move away from actually creating systems, but we went in there and we helped them find missed revenues. And my job was to connect all this data together in this organization and connect the dots, you know, with a, with a, with a production accountant expert. And we ended up finding seven and a half million that they missed in billing. And to me, that was just shocking. It's just like, we need to do better as an industry. And they were paying a lot for their systems, but you know, the, the systems were not connected. And so that was really the trigger point for me that got me involved in uh, looking at new ways to create enterprise systems so they have an inherent capability to exchange data. So I can see, you know, this sort of confluence between you two, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kiwa was originally an instructor yeah. and really your professor, and then you ended up uh, being partners and working together uh, for decades and so on. But you both have that sort of abiding interest in the enterprise and yeah. the challenges in the enterprise, the integration of data within the enterprises, all these silos and how do, how do you get some kind of cohesion uh, when you're working in the enterprise environment. Now, you both uh, are responsible for this book. So I'll start with you, Blair, this time. You know, okay. what was the genesis for this book? And then uh, did you approach Keywall or was it Keywall approached you or you just somehow came together at the same sure. time? Sure. Well, you know, where that started off was, uh, you know, I was really looking at, you know, what kind of education do we have out there 
for you know uh, for you know for students to learn how to create enterprise systems. And so I contacted, you know, Keywall by LinkedIn and I hadn't talked to him for, you know, many years. And I just said, you know, Keywall, it, there just doesn't seem to be education out there, you know, that, that teaches students how to create an enterprise system, you know, and, and really these financial administrative systems sit in the middle of every organization that's out there. Yet a lot of the education in terms of how those systems are structured, you know, how the data is structured for them is really the only ones that are providing that education is like the ERP vendors themselves. And I felt that there's, we need general education. So that was really the first uh, connection that Keywall and I had, you know, in, in this journey. And it was really, um, you know, I expressed this goal of, uh, you know, coming up with a new way to create enterprise systems that have this inherent capability to exchange data and then educating students in terms of how to, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, uh, take on this, this methodology and this platform. And so Keywell was a big, uh, uh, big believer right from the beginning. And it was so critical to me you know, to have his support through this entire process, because it's been, you know, this was back in 2017. So it's been, a, you know, a bit of a journey for us to get to the point of writing the book. So, yeah. So, Keywell, I mean, yeah, Blair approaches you about this book and you you say, hey, I get it, <laughs> because you've been involved in this area for so long. And then how did that result in the com combining of both of your experiences? Did you sort of co-write a draft and then just continue to iterate it? Uh, you know, what was that process to get this completed book product? And then let's talk about the value proposition of that book as well, right? So. Sure. Um, well, let's let's go back a little bit. Um, you know, Blair approached me because I, I think he wasn't getting enough attention to his ideas. So first of all, he had, he proposed the ideas and he showed me some of his ideas. And when I looked through them, uh, because of the history of, of having developed applications for so many years, I mean, I've had my own private company running along with my teaching practice uh, since 1980. So it, it's not something that was new for me in terms of looking at uh, application development. Uh, and I, I help a lot of innovative startups um, do application development, especially with my uh, fourth year students uh, doing projects for um, startup companies. So we've been always involved in with uh, new technologies and new methods and new uh, business ideas. When Blair showed me or, or asked me to look at his postings on LinkedIn, um, that sort of uh, uh, got me thinking about um, what what is different about what we've been doing repetitively and failing to do repetitively for the last 50 years in our software application development industry. And so having had all those practical experiences of redoing stuff over and over and over again, creating new contact databases, creating new, you know, standard databases that, you know, needed to be just standard practice that we can just pull out of a, a storage and, and reuse again. And for a while there, I was working also in Toronto with a, a Paul Bassett uh, and his company called Netron, where he had written a book on framing software reuse uh, with the malleable frameworks for uh, building software. And I'd help them to uh, put Java into their uh, software reuse uh, engines. 
Uh, they were uh, fundamentally in the COBOL space. So, you know, if, given all that history of application development, when I looked at Blair's ideas, they really stuck, uh, struck a big chord with me in terms of, hey, this is the right way to do things. We, we need to put in the effort up front. Now, I had written a number of books, um, uh, one of which was um, The Complete Guide to Professional Computing. Another one was Certified uh, Data Management Professional Examinations Guide and so on and so forth. And I've worked with a lot of um, online courses and developing and teaching executive MBAs at Athabasca University, uh, as well as Master of Science students and PhD students. So with all of that background, I realized that what we've been doing in the education field is teaching silo development. And this book uh, and the ideas that uh, Blair was fostering uh, said, let's think integration first. Let's look at data integration first. And since we're in the data sort of data being the fifth element today, along with fire, water, earth, and air, data is the critical element that, that needs to be integrated before we can have uh, useful uh, applications um, uh, built. So that's really what led us to think about writing the book. Uh, for the first uh, three or four years, we tried to get a lot of interest from uh, professionals, experts, uh, uh, fathers of data warehousing, such as Bill Inman, um, people like uh, Len Silverstone, uh, who had written about universal data models, and other big time authors um, to get their interest in what we were doing. So that's really what sparked up uh, eventually to us writing the book. So you you written this book now, uh, you know, both of you, Blair and Kiwon. And so what's your strategy of getting the, the book out and getting it embedded into enterprises, getting it into the educational systems and so on? And, and do you have collateral? And I'll, I'll go to Blair. Do you have collateral to support that journey so that it can be embedded uh, in different different communities. So how accessible is the book? How accessible is it to the education system and to enterprises? Yeah, I think that uh, in terms of um, the accessibility of it, we've really tried to do, you know, like a holistic job of, uh, of um, the material that the book covers. And so what we've done is, you know, we started with, you know, public, or I guess it was me started with publishing articles on LinkedIn and, you know, really challenging the experts and, and soliciting feedback to, uh, you know, to uh, come up with uh, the, you know, these five key principles that I believe are necessary for, you know, so that we can create systems that integrate. And then it was really, it says, okay, well, you know, we need to be able to create the software to accomplish this because, you know, this is not just about, you know, like a, a vaporware thing. It's really about uh, flushing out the principles and then, you know, creating software to prove that the, the capabilities uh, or that, that this is possible. And that became the material that made it possible to write the book and have confidence that, you know, what, you know, the book was uh, speaking about was actually going to be possible. Then we went to the next step of actually creating a massive uh, proof of concept environment, which showed these networking all these different systems together and having them exchange data and, and actually showing that this is possible and taking data from many different systems and automatically aggregating it. 
then developed videos, put together a website. And so now it's really just uh, getting the message out. And, you know, and we really, you know, appreciate, you know, things like this in interviews like this, you know, you've had a lot of esteemed uh, people that you that you've interviewed over the years, and we're, we're glad to be included in this collection. And but it's really that it's really uh, publishing posts on LinkedIn, it is uh, doing speaking at conferences and really just getting the word out. So that's that would be the yeah, I think uh, if I can add to that, Stephen, um, the the you know we've tried to also connect with the ACM, IEEE, AIS, uh, the Association of Information Systems, um, model curriculum uh, development uh, committees, and uh, I've tried to you know I've been using those model curricula for my program improvement uh, since the 1980s, and so we're really trying to get uh, those bodies to look at teaching education differently and using a data and uh, integration and thinking data integration first. So that's that's sort of uh, part of where we're mm. going with this. Uh, the bulk of the work on writing this book was done by Blair and um, uh, you know with additional uh, input from myself. Uh, so that really is the key to uh, the technology side of the business. The technology side of all the concepts comes out of Blair. Um, I'm more of the uh, education and business focused uh, editing on top of that. Um, you know, if we look at uh, business strategy and uh, systems uh, or IT strategy that has to align with business strategy, um, you know, uh, IT today contributes up to 30% of the bottom line profit generation within a company. The budget may be 2% of the total operating budget of a company, but the profit benefit of uh, systems is up to 30% uh, uh, contribution to that bottom line. And if we look at supply chains, uh, during my research in supply chain uh, collaboration, uh, we know that information sharing and collaborative decision-making uh, speed up the company. Uh, they make sure that uh, there are lower costs for doing business and ultimately um, if you don't share information, if you don't have integrated systems, mm -hmm. uh, you end up uh, higher uh, with much, much higher cost. And uh, so that's that's part of why I think this uh, approach to integration first is so uh, critical for us to focus on. Uh, it will help companies compete. It will help companies speed up their operation, and it will make them uh, survive uh, the uh, upcoming uh, massive, massive change that our business and industries are facing. So, you know, that's really valuable. So, you know, Blair, you've got source code uh, published on GitHub. You, you've got a website where you're uh, detailing the documents and the training videos and so on. Yeah. But earlier you talked about five principles uh, or a number of principles. Can sure. you sort of summarize those principles? Right. You know, like it's, uh, uh, you know, just to step back a little bit, like, you know, like if we want to be able to create, uh, you know, these systems, you know, so that they have this inherent capability to communicate, then we do need to like really overall rethink how these systems get created. So the the principles are really uh, around, first of all, uh, it's called core models. And it really says, uh, when you look across all the different organizations, you're gonna find that there's data that exists in every one of the you know in every one of those organizations that they need to manage 
And so it's things like contacts, finances, assets, activities, contracts. And there's this, this, this data that, that, is, uh, that exists in every uh, organization. So it's really saying, okay, we need to create systems based on these refined core models that have this uh, that have this built-in capability to be expanded to meet the unique needs of any business unit or organization, and it's really the you know already ERP vendors are doing that. I mean they're they're not changing the, those core structures when they go into an organization, but these core structures are more powerful than the ones that you would see in the ERP vendors because they have this inherent capability to exchange data. The next key principle is primary keys and a primary key is you know basically identifies data and it's this unique identifier and we need to be able to create uh, uh, these primary keys in a way that we assign it to data and never have it change no matter how many different systems we move that data to or when we move it to aggregate in a data warehouse, we never have it change. And those are principles that we don't have right now. In, in fact, developers can choose whatever primary key method they want when they create a system. And then we move you know, data to another system or we try to aggregate this data and every, you know, the same record will have a different identifier in every system. So that's another key principle. Another one is what we call uh, record governance. And it says, hey, if we've got the same data that exists in 20 different systems, uh, then which system do we trust? It, you know, which system has the trusted version of that data? So it'd be like if there was an oil and gas you know, well, and that well was owned by a company, and then they sell that, that oil and gas well to another company, well, now that company has the trusted data for that oil and gas well. And then so this ownership can move from one organization to the other. And that's really critical when you start to aggregate data. The next one is uh, around data exchange. And it says, hey, we need a way to create systems so that they can automatically exchange data. So that means we need to be able to identify these groups of data uh, that need to be shared, uh, you know, across systems. We need to be able to identify uh, systems or subscribers that are interested in this data, like groups of subscribers. And then we need to be able to automatically broadcast that data to all those different systems. And we also need a way to uh, rebroadcast it if something about that data changes. So that's the fourth principle. The fifth one is really around uh, what we call application frameworks. And the, the application framework controls the user interface for a system. And so whenever a system gets created, this application framework is built to you know, control user authentication and what menu options and how they search and browse and edit data. And so in today's environment, we recreate that application framework with every system that gets created. So if we've created a million systems, a million times we create an application framework. And so the application framework principle is really around creating an application framework that operates like a web browser. So we fully parameterize the systems and then, um, and there's there's all kinds of benefits that you see as a result of creating, you know, this with these uh, systems with, an application framework that is very similar to a web browser. So those would be the five.
Stephen, if I can add to that, I, I, I think when we're the pro, the approach that we're advocating is a holistic approach to leapfrog the current ERP systems. Remember, the ERP systems are based on thinking out of the 1970s, and and it's still based on silo development. Their ERP systems essentially silos. Even their own ERP systems don't talk to their other ERP systems. Uh, installed in another company or a subdivision of one company. So they have a lot of data exchange issues and, uh, and people end up creating middleware or some kind of a, a central database with new uh, in, in, uh, keys to sort of integrate the data. So there's a lot of rework that gets done. So that's, that's one issue. Secondly, when companies want to move from their current systems to new systems, Every company wants to have a low risk incremental approach. And what we're advocating is an approach where they can start off with one small system <clears throat> and incrementally change uh, the systems over time. So the, the idea here is not that we are gonna wholesale replace anything because obviously that involves a lot of risk, but we're advocating an approach that allows you to incrementally change your systems over time, regardless of whether you're into a full-fledged ERP system today or not. Even a small company today could start off uh, utilizing this system as their back office and, and move into that environment using the methods that we're advocating. So again, it's, it's um, you know, uh, IT companies and CIOs and CEOs are risk averse uh, when it comes to uh, anything affecting their bottom line revenue. And uh, the approaches that we're advocating allow them to take a low risk um, an incremental approach to building systems that actually untie them from the the, the way that they're tied into uh, the ERP vendors and or even the cloud vendors. So they can they can begin to control their own destiny and their own data in a longitudinal approach, and then uh, incrementally build in their supply chain partners or their subdivisions into that whole integrated whole. Uh, any comments from you, Blair, on that? Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I think that that's, uh, you know, that's that's pretty accurate. It, it is. Uh, it's really, um, you know, our industry is unique from any other industry that you see out there. You know, we have a little analogy with, uh, you know, building houses, right? Where, you know, when you build a house, you know, the house has, you know, there's a building code that everybody has to follow when that house gets created. And that really helps us to create, you know, houses cheaper. It helps all the trades to work together more effectively. But, you know, if we had no building codes when we created houses, you can imagine the chaos in terms of uh, trying to even connect houses into municipal systems. And with software, that's exactly where our industry is at. We we, uh, you know, we give teams a list of requirements and then we basically have them go create a system and they do it however they want, uh, you know, using, uh, you know, they might have some local standards, but there's no global standards for, you know, in terms of how that system gets created. We implement that system and then we try to, to integrate it with all the other systems and we can't. In fact, we spend 80% of our effort just trying to do, uh, you know, for AI, for cleansing data. So it is, it, it's really, uh, it's really stepping back and, re, you know, working more as a team 
And we hope that this is the first step for our industry to, uh, you know, to start to create systems that we can network together like this. So, so you know, Blair, then I'm curious what the onboarding process looks like. So let's say you have an enterprise and they buy your book and they look at your code and GitHub and they look through the training videos. How long does it take them to start implementing this new sort of paradigm? Uh, this interconnection that you, you're mentioning. And so uh, in essence, standardizing this process, right? And this data aggregation, how long does that take? Does it take months or weeks or days? Oh, it's going to be, you know, it'll be a lengthy process. So there's, there's, there's no, you know, denying that. I mean, this is a, this is a paradigm shift for our industry. Uh, but, you know, the vision is that, uh, we will see developers that uh, and architects that will gain certifications very similar to what you see with like CPA certifications. And they will be certified in terms of how to look at organizations differently and look at the systems. And they will have this, you know, they will have access to all the open source uh, code that we've created. They'll create, they'll, you know, begin creating new modules that, uh, you know, that can plug into that. And, you know, AI is going to play a really important part in the creation of these new systems. And the way that, it, you know, like some people have this vision that, well, geez, with AI, we could just go and create an enterprise system. But that would only just give us a lot more systems that can't talk together. And so if we could take AI and then base it on a model like the, that we've created, then you could, you know, basically take in system definitions and, you know, database definitions and suck that into the model and generate, you know, new systems that have this inherent capability to connect together and exchange data so that we could uh, produce systems, you know, much, much faster. And uh, so it, it is, it's, it's going to be a, you know, I'm, you know, there's no two ways about it. It's going to be a, a process, but eventually, you know, our systems don't last forever. You know, we don't put systems in and have them be in existing, you know, 30 years from now, <clears throat> there's a process of replacing those systems. So this is going to be a part of that replacement process. And the hope would be, you know, are we really going to create uh, you know, when they replace another system, are we really going to replace it with another silo system? Or are we going to start looking at, you know, a new methodology and a new approach to systems that lets us interconnect uh, systems? And uh, the other really, I think, important point is we've hit the wall in terms of how big our systems can get uh, with our current siloed approach. You know, so if you took a look and you said, you know, you took a look at something like a government and that government had many departments and commissions and boards. And let's say it encompassed healthcare with hospitals and cancer clinics and education entities. With our current approach, uh, we can't create a bunch of silo systems for those and try to have them all connect together because our methodologies don't support that. And we can't put it into a monolithic system because it's only so big those systems can get before they implode in their own complexity. So this approach would allow us to create systems by business unit that are tailored to their unique needs that exchange data with every other business unit and are able to 
uh, so we can enter data once and never have to enter it again. And we can aggregate data automatically from all the systems into a data warehouse for reporting. So, so that's kind of the, you know, that's the problem we're solving and that's the vision for, you know, what this, this could be. So it's, it is a lengthy vision though. So yeah. let me, let me, uh, Stephen, let me try and put it into context or longer term context. You know, we've looked at James Martin information engineering. We've looked at Ed Jordan structured programming. We've looked at, um, you know, in, historically we've gone through these cycles of uh, what I call mm -hmm. small changes, uh, you know, joint application development. Um, you know, we looked at, um, you know, things like um, universal data models from um, uh, Len Silverstone and uh, David Hay uh, with their publications. Uh, you look at uh, um, Bill Inman and uh, others in data warehousing, and all of these are fragmented approaches. None of them looks at integration first. And historically, we built silo systems. We teach silo systems in the universities and colleges. Every course takes its own different uh, approach to building a system. Uh, and whether you're teaching C++ or Python or whatever, everything is a silo. Even in AI today, in machine learning, we build silo systems. And part of the reason we do that is that we teach it that way in the colleges and every professor teaches it in that uh, method. This approach that we're advocating, as Blair says, is we feel the next step. We, we want to add in ISO 9000 uh, style certification at the end of it. Uh, we expect to have generally accepted data management principles, much like the generally accepted accounting uh, principles in the accounting industry. Uh, we expect to have generally accepted application development principles at the uh, at the end of it all. And I'm working with the ICCP, the Institute for Certification of Computing Professionals, along with um, uh, data management professionals and along with uh, ACM and IEEE to advocate for these kinds of models. Now, our ultimate goal is to have systems built on time and within budget. And we can only do that if we automate a lot of the tasks so when Blair talks about an application framework, the idea is that we just capture requirements and we can pop out the entire system just by capturing requirements and not have to have every single programmer build a unique custom craft kind of a system that only they are fully cognizant of. So that's where we're aiming and it is a long-term goal. It may, it may happen after we're well dead and gone, I don't know. You know, we'll we'll see because you know the IT departments are loath to change because they've invested so much money in the current systems and the manpower and the technical skills that that manpower has um, in in order to you know carry on uh, providing the system that they have today. So yeah, we see it as a long, really long term uh, issue, uh, but we do want to leave this legacy for our industry. Uh, that gets us beyond silo development and into real, what I call mass production of software. But, you know, but there's cloud providers who provide tools and things like that. And, and you know, a lot of developers use those tools. So you're on GitHub, which is great, right? Yeah. And, and <clears throat> a lot of developers go to uh, GitHub. But are you then talking to the Azure folks at Microsoft or the Amazon Web Services folks and some of the others that are out there, are, are you also talking to the IT services companies like Avanade or 
Accenture, Infosys, you know, uh, Tata, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Because really, if you want to scale this thing, then you got to get some penetration with them folks, right? Or, or my right. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and I guess, you know, we are definitely in the infancy of the, you know, from a communication perspective of, um, uh, you know, getting the right groups involved to, um, you know, to help support this, uh, this initiative. So this, uh, <clears throat> I will say, though, that this is really about uh, empowering a new generation of architects and developers so that they can go in and work together as a team to create enterprise systems and uh, that have this inherent capability to communicate. And then organizations can really take back control of their enterprise systems and not be you know, held to any one vendor you know, to, to do that. They can basically have their own teams to accomplish that and they, can, uh, they could hire expert teams to come in but you know, we see that there will there will be a tremendous amount more of sharing of um, uh, of ideas, and so this platform you know provides that, and really it will also you know uh, hopefully get the industry thinking. You know, we cannot create systems in silos and then try to integrate them. It just doesn't work. It's like you no matter you know until we deal with the core issue of um of um you know how we create systems we are always going to struggle with integration and we're always going to struggle with aggregating data you know so the, you know those are you know like two you know kind of key things so so yeah so let me let me let me add Stephen. i mean very good question that you asked you know what have you done about getting this out to the major players in the industry we haven't done a lot as as blair says we're at, at very uh, you know uh, baby steps for, uh, uh, at this point it really needs some kind of an investment like an open ai investment to to foster this kind of uh, a future uh, evolution of our industry uh, what we've done so far is just made sure that the ideas that we have and the concepts that we're striving for fit that future need and and so uh, it's a model that we think supersedes, allows you to leapfrog, allows you independence. When you put your data up with the cloud vendors, they own the data. You typically don't own the data. Uh, we've talked to Snowflake. We've talked to a few others, looked at where we can uh, potentially add what we're doing as front-end applications to their <clears throat> environments. Um, it, it's not quite the right fit uh, where we, we think we're headed. It may be, it, it, it's just that, right, maybe it's our thinking that hasn't matured enough uh, to think that we can work uh, with those organizations uh, in the way that they can benefit and they can bring it to, to the bigger mid-business market. So I, I think we want to make sure that companies are empowered to be individually owning and their own future in, in their business backend systems and not be beholden to uh, vendors. So yeah, we're, we're going against the tide of SAP and Dynamics and, and uh, Oracle and, and PeopleSoft and all the big players. Uh, yeah, we're, we're hitting a, a big wave against us, absolutely. Yeah. But we're gonna crash through that. It's like riding the wave on a, on a, on a board. You know, we, we will learn how to navigate that. 
So, so are you? Do you have any sort of pilots or POCs out there that people are willing to play with this in a sandbox? I mean, I could see the government. I mean, the Canadian government is such yeah. a huge repository of all these different data silos, yeah. right? uh, or provincial governments, or even municipal. Uh, and that would maybe be lower hanging fruit. Do you have anybody willing to just try it, test it, do some implementations of this? Well, I think that's this again, being in the infancy, uh, we, you know, we don't. And that that's what part of this communication process, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, reaching out to like there's government groups within LinkedIn that we're, you know, uh, that we're posting with and uh so we are still looking for that uh, for somebody that really just says that that catches the idea that hey you know you know, you know a government especially because government uh, relies on a lot of custom systems to you know to support their programs to support things like land registries and vehicle registries that are not just uh, you know that are not just off the shelf software and so. You know, it, it was uh, they—they are actually kind of ripe for this concept, and we're looking for, you know, someone that just steps back and says, you know, hey, we we need to check out this approach. You know, every year there's a trillion dollars that is spent on enterprise software, and certainly we can invest something in in trying to come up with with something that you know effectively revolutionizes or or truly changes how we create software so that we can you know see that you know the the merit of the the approach and and to flush it out and to get other experts involved uh you know so you know really that that is the hope is that somebody's going to say this is crazy we we can't create systems in silos and try to integrate them. It doesn't work. It's never worked. You know, it's never going to work. And so let's think broader. So, you know, that's the hope is that, you know, we can catch somebody that also sees the same issue. And, you know, I guess Keywall, you know, was the kind of the first one I talked to, you know, many years ago, and we, we've gained believers along the way. So there are people, you know, there's people that are open to the fact that the way we're doing it isn't working so well you know that's really really remarkable all of the different facets that you've been discussing i can see how this is so transformational if i if i can get both of you to um provide your final recommendations to the audience and by the way you should name the book as well <laughs> okay i could start so the so the name of the book is breaking bad with 3d enterprise systems and it's really breaking I, I guess the bad habits that we've had with creating enterprise systems and and coming up with a more holistic approach my closing thoughts you know maybe recommendations would be you know first of all take a look at the way that we create systems We've been doing it the same way since the inception of systems. We give a team a list of requirements. They go, they create it in a silo, and then we try to integrate it. And we can't. And no amount of tools and and uh, and methodologies and anything is going to fix that problem. We have a foundation of sand that we are trying to, you know, that we are trying to work with. And so as an industry, we need to step back and to uh, look at ways to achieve, we need to begin with the end in mind. So we need to be able to create systems 
in order to, uh, you know, uh, to achieve today's needs for integration and today's needs for data aggregation. And we hope that uh, that this, this book and the methodologies and the website and the GitHub will be an impetus for uh, experts in the industry to step back and take a look and consider an idea like this and hopefully help contribute to making this happen and making our industry more efficient and effective. And then Kiwal. <laughs> so from my side, it's always about business value. What's the business value that we're bringing to the table? The book, Breaking Bad with 3D Enterprise Systems, is our attempt to break habits and to give us new habits that will allow us uh, to have faster companies, better uh, data sharing, easier information sharing, reduced amount of rework. You know, a mass production of software should have been happening just like the car industry or just like a steel industry, doesn't matter what you look at, or a robotics manufacturing. We need the same kind of standards in our software application development industry. And we need to empower the companies to take control of all their data and allow them to do a much better job with intelligent software agents, AI as we are calling them today, chat GPT and other areas. But we can't do that without high quality data and without integrated data. The approach we're advocating leads you to that direction where you are gonna be a super company if you can leapfrog the current ERP restrictions of the major vendors out there. That's what we're advocating, a better approach, a better set of uh, generally accepted data management principles, a better approach towards mass uh, production of application systems on time and below budget. Well, thank you both for, for coming in. You, you both have remarkable uh, contributions over lifetimes, decades uh, uh, to the industry, both regionally, nationally, and then internationally. And your insights are always so valuable to our audience. So thank you again for coming in. Well, and thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, you know, to hear our story. Uh, and, you know, we're very appreciative of uh getting you know this uh, this uh, interview with you and you've had some really very good questions uh that i'm sure many uh, much of your audience will have as well so but thank you thank you stephen appreciate it thank you for listening to the brand called you videocast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.